0: Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And in today's episode, my guest is Morgan Bierschenk, co-founder of GeoShip. GeoShip is a regenerative village building platform, owned by the people in service to the earth. Their vision is a revolution in affordable regenerative architecture to reconnect human communities with the natural world. Morgan, as I said, is the co-founder and CEO of GeoShip, uh, a multi-stakeholder cooperative, geodesic home building company. And before that, Morgan spent nine years vagabonding and sailing around the world. So we get lots to talk about and learn from him here. He was once an engineer at Intel Corporation and a freedom of information activist in Iceland. <laughs> so with these words, welcome, welcome, Morgan.
1: Hey, thank you, Leon.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear both from your, you know, um, vagabonding background as well as for, about GeoShip. It's very exciting. You guys have, you know, already created quite a storm of attention, I feel like, and um, obviously, the future of living connected to the earth in a regenerative way that's actually affordable so maybe let me let me start with a question and and you know you can you can see how you like to answer um what do you reckon is most important in these times we're in you know we're in the later half of 2020 it's september um as we're recording this like what's most required for humans in their attention and their awareness
1: um right now right here um you know, I, I think just an, an openness to what other um kind of narratives and possibilities there are besides kind of the especially the 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 two sides of you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of narratives out there in the world that are kind of um uh, engineered to to get people to be more divided. And there's mm-hmm. actually like uh, you know, whole new narratives that people are that are also coming out that really require people to let go of some of the their old um, belief systems and attachments and just be open to a new a new way of of interacting with one another and understanding our, our relationship to the earth and to ourselves and to one another
0: Beautiful. I think. into that way of you know stepping into unity rather than division is what you're saying
1: yeah uh, just an, an openness to to new dialogues and new kind of new narratives as we, you know, that, that there's a lot of, I think there's, especially in this kind of a regenerative, you know, renaissance or movement is happening. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of new paradigms that are kind of opening at the, almost simultaneously, right? And it really, like, I think once, once people um, let go of some of the attachments they have to the old ways of of thinking, then all of a sudden, there's a kind like an interconnectedness that happens between these different emerging stories that becomes like, wow, there's, there's so much, uh, so much potential and so much beauty that surrounds us right now. It's, it's, uh, incredible.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about how you found that, that beauty yourself. You know, I was saying in the introduction, you were, you were vagabonding and sailing for nine years. I, I think that's, um, you know, Probably quite quite a drastic choice at the time, but something not everyone gets to experience and I can only imagine how rich
1: that time must have been on many levels. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I, my right out of university at like 20 years old, I, my first job was at uh, Intel Corporation, so it was kind of like a direct into a corporate uh, um, experience and I remember, you know, three weeks into that job just calling my dad and being like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? What what have I done? You know, all this uh work in university and stuff to get to that point. And then it's like it's just like this big air conditioned space with all these you know, it just wasn't inspiring. And he was just like, well I'll just stick it out for a little while and see what happens. And I sort of just I did for about two years, two or three years. And then just kind of got to a point where um I quit the job and bought a one way ticket to Asia and just started uh kind of vagabonding. And and I didn't there wasn't anything that necessarily like uh any awakening that happened before I did that. The whole point of doing that was just to kind of like clear the clear the deck a little bit and just mm. make room for for whatever it is you know, like experience life, you know. Um, and then that led to just a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of interesting things that basically after um a couple of years of traveling around asia and india i came back and started doing some long meditation vipassana meditation retreats and and then was like okay i just want to you know build myself a little home on the land and learn to be an artist right so but i couldn't afford land and and it was uh, i you know learned some different natural building techniques but nothing was really really resonated um and i also couldn't afford that much so i ended up uh, buying a classic wooden sailboat that was like derelict and pulling it into a barn for a year and just restoring that wooden boat and then um living on that for about the next six years and kind of cruising up and down the, the west coast and wow so it was just sort of a you know regenerative home that uh was on the sea instead of on the land
0: on the sea instead of the land but still the same the same mother earth underneath your feet right so uh, there's quite something about just being in touch with earth in this way and you were you were mentioning before we had recorded that you didn't own a cell phone in that same time either so you were just like your connection was into the ground and with the people around you
1: Yeah. And it wasn't, that wasn't, you know, that was like in 2004, there weren't quite smartphones yet. So mm. it, I wouldn't I feel like I was leaving much behind, you know, I just didn't have a cell phone or a computer for um, most of that time towards the end on the sailboat, I got a, a computer and then actually right about that time after getting a computer delving into uh, why the world is the way it is. Right. Because I was kind of getting into a place of like um, I didn't want to just you know, actually we we're planning to sail from, uh, the mark, uh, from, uh, Mexico to the Marquesas, which would have been the beginning of like another three to five years at least of sailing kind of all the way around the world. Um, or at least halfway around, but then if you go halfway around, you're pretty much going to go all the way around cause you mm. don't turn around and come back. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so I started, you know, doing a lot of research on kind of why the world is the way it is and what can I do to. Um, to be of service, you know, and then make a difference. And that was like in 2009, 2010. And right about then it was like the freedom of information uh, battle had begun. <laughs> and uh, I got really inspired with just like information. Well, it's like basically understanding the monetary system a little bit as like a, the economy as a, a way that energy moves between people and the earth uh and then understanding information is like a channel for energy movement so it was like whoa it's so important that we have that uh freedom of information you know that there's not like a gateways and censorship going on and so i actually moved to iceland for a year kind of on and off for about two years um working with the icelandic modern media initiative which is now the pirate party and they were doing uh, basically a liquid democracy platforms and uh, also experimenting like kind of thought projects with new forms of uh, currency. And it was, it was pretty inspiring time in Iceland because they had just um, you know, their economy collapsed and 10% of their population. So like 20,000 people gathered around parliament and banged pots and pans for a week until they got a new political party in. And that was the one I was uh, volunteering with, which is the Pirate Party, and their whole mission was to, to basically make Iceland the world's safe haven for information journalists and whistleblowers. So it was like kind of um, reverse engineering a lot of the Swiss banking laws to make it for transparency instead of pri- instead of uh, mm-hmm. secrecy. So that that inspired me a lot around like you know new forms of uh, democracy and currency and and then that eventually led to to geoship shortly after
0: yeah i'm so glad that you share a little bit of those insights in your you know like sweet and humble ways to i feel like this is a very unique journey morgan that you know like um many people are are now just kind of starting to become aware of how um yeah how fucked the information wall really is and how deeply censorship can go and, and and you know how privacy and secrecy is the common practice in the planet earth we've lived on for a long while and how transparency and community and living together um are like the gateway of healing right so so i'm curious and then let's focus let's focus in on geoship because I, I know we could talk about that for for hours and, and i want to really learn about um both your personal vision and then also now what's what's starting to happen I, um I know that, you know, the, the buzzwords you, you guys are uniting are around like affordability, right? Very important that people can actually afford to, to live and be um, obviously like regenerative or sustainable. And, and also this resilience of healing, which I find really interesting because um, yeah, homes are not necessarily set up for that in the classical way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the technology we're developing is essentially like a it's almost like ceramic injection molding. It, it's really close. It's like a uh, low pressure injection molding system with a chemically bonded ceramic. So this is really like a new material science that emerged in really out of uh, our national labs. They were looking for a new material for a solidifying uh, nuclear waste for like long-term storage. And um, this material science emerged and it's essentially like you know today you kind have ceramics cements and epoxies as mm-hmm. three material families and this chemically bonded ceramics kind of fits in the middle of those and that it's it's like a ceramic and that it's a covalent and ionic bonding and highly crystalline but it's like a cement and that it doesn't require high heat and it's water activated and it's like a polymer and that it actually forms molecular bonds with wood and with metal and with itself so these kind of combination of properties makes us so that we can uh, build like these ceramic domes that we're building. It's like the frames are ceramic composite and it's always a ceramic composite. You know, there's like a fiber in there or a cellulose of some sort that's the ceramic is just kind of the, the glue. Mm. So the frames are ceramic composite. The uh, exterior panels are ceramic composite, the interior panels are ceramic composite, and the insulation is a cellular ceramic. So it's really like all all ceramic, um, and all of it is precast from precision molds. So, And essentially the panels are um, mortared together with the ceramic as well. So this, the mortar is the same material as the panel. And there's just, you know, so that combination of properties opens up a new way to to basically more mass like mass produce architecture like we do a lot of the products that are around us, um, but also, you know, all ceramic homes like this will will be highly fire resistant. There's nothing to rot or mold. There's no toxic chemicals required. Um, there's the expansion and contraction is like, not like concrete. It's really, really low, like a hundred thousand times less than concrete. So you don't, you know, it it can be repaired and resurfaced with the same ceramic materials and, and those materials, there's a lot of different uh, kind of geopolymer, chemically bonded ceramic blends that can be used in a precast plant, but the primary ones we're using are uh, really, phosphate and magnesium based mm-hmm. and those raw minerals can come from uh, wastewater treatment plants and from desalination salt water desalination so it's potential for a really a regenerative raw materials industry around these ceramic homes and the home can be you know it's a design life of 500 years so homes that last a lot longer and that just the nature of the geodesic it's uh you know um earthquake and hurricane resistant as well as this kind of fire resistivity and and potentially carbon, actually carbon negative, where it's actually sequestering more CO2 than was released in in the manufacturing of the minerals.
0: Yeah, it's the geometry of life, really, like the geodesic kind of structure, right? Because that's how, you know, anything on Earth is shaped, right? If it's the the magnetic field of our planet or if it's like the micro-micro- micro, level of like bacteria or or virology if i'm like not totally mistaken here yeah
1: yeah yeah no it's uh you know it's actually plato defined the 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 geodesic sphere like 2500 years ago as a he called it gaia uh, uh, a container for becoming because basically all of the platonic solids nest within that geodesic sphere so that its corners touch you know its corners touch um, and so, it's actually the he, the ley lines that encircle the Earth. The rivers of magnetism form a geodesic grid around the Earth. There was even a, a an awesome uh, hypothesis from this surfer in Nature magazine that was published in Nature magazine about a decade ago that uh, put forth the hypothesis that the whole universe is a geodesic because Bucky would actually he would do what he called the jitterbug, right? He'd put hmm. this uh, dodecahedron made out of sticks and and uh, string in between, his, in between his hands like this and kind of flex it, and it becomes an icosahedron. Dodeca, icosa, dodeca, icosa. And it's like those are, it's the only 3D golden ratio fractal. It's the only two shapes that, you know, go back and forth into one another and are golden ratio to one another. So it's like the universe is this golden ratio, oscillating breath between
0: those two fractals wow
1: yeah and then also in our bodies the the (laughs) viruses are encapsulated in these little you know protective protein shells capsids that are geodesic so that's you know that that was one of the things it was like okay you know the basic maxim of as within so without um at some point you know it makes a lot of sense that the human housing will be in in geodesic uh
0: totally and i you know i think this is why this is so relevant i mean you know the the world uh is learning about virology like never before and, and the immune system and also like what it actually takes to to live a life that's connected to the the essentials of life you know um which for me i i keep coming back to like having my hands and feet on the earth or in the water as often as possible because it it shortcuts most of the bullshit that my mind can come up with um, really quickly, right? Especially up here in Canada when I'm in in the freezing cold ocean. Um, Can't really do that when I'm thinking too much. Yeah. Um, And I'm I'm curious, Morgan. So I'll share I'll share a little bit of a story that happened to me during the beginning of this Corona lockdown. So I was in San Francisco at the time. I don't know. It was maybe like March or April and, you know, spent a lot of time indoors and (laughs) in an apartment building that was pretty much a rectangular box and really happy to be back in canada now since the last 2 3 months here but what happened to me was i didn't see other people i was in this rectangular box and i started f- sensing that like i like my energy field is is larger than the box that i'm in and not of the same shape as the box that i'm actually in and then i went out on the street and you know it was like pretty much like the 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 heart of lockdown in san francisco at, at the beginning of the corona pandemic and so I didn't see anyone else, maybe like one or two people. And I walked up Hate Street because that's where that apartment I lived in was. I walked up Hate Street and I had this realization that I'm basically essentially living in a dead energy mass right now. And I'm walking through a dead energy mass right now because the streets and the boxes around me are all concrete that are completely like, depleted of life. And the only reason why it felt alive to me on other days was because there was people around me and I felt all the people and the life teeming off the people, but it wasn't like when you walk through a forest or it, like, you know, even when you're living in like a wood cabin somewhere in the forest where, where you feel like everything is just one. Right. And so you know, maybe that little anecdote, you know, is, inspires you to share a bit more about like why you're choosing this, why biophotons are interesting and super important, what it means to be biophilic. Right. Like, all of this I feel like is just at the fringe of becoming visible to most people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's kind of a, it, like a new level of well-being, like tuning our environment so that we're able to just function at a, at a higher level. If we look at like, what are the things in our environment that are kind of limiting our, our um, ability to, to be really healthy? It's like, first we, try to eliminate those things. So like the toxic chemicals that are in the building materials, um, the way our floors are designed. So we're not, you know, we want to want to have earthing floors, basically. So you have an electrical uh, connection to the earth um, to get the right light spectrums in our environment so that we're not, our circadian rhythm isn't uh, out of sync with the earth and having uh, light coming in from, from all angles at different times of the day. So if, it's like if you go in and just imagine like sitting in a, a stone circle, basically, in a field in the forest, what are the conditions that are present? It's, it's that, it's like earthing, there's no toxic chemicals, there's light coming from all angles. And so we are you know recre- try to recreate that within the bioceramic dome home um and then there's kind of another level that is or about two more levels actually that are uh exciting too that's kind of the baseline like Mm. get rid of the things that uh that block us basically um but then the next level is really the com it's a combination of materials and geometry so these ceramic materials are um they're technically in electrical engineering speak they're high dielectric and paramagnetic so just like the capacitors in our electronic devices that actually can generate an internal charge field you know polarizes and pulls like if you hold it in your hand you can just wish i had it i should have brought a piece but you can just kind of feel it want to merge with your aura like a pet rock or something you know and that like that's explainable in electromagnetic terms what's actually happening there so high dielectric and paramagnetic and then geometry that is essentially focuses energy like pyramid and dome like these domes we're building all have like kind of a stellated top so it's basically a five-sided pyramid over the top which um you know focuses energy into a into a sweet spot which is not that does not happen in a box you know it's like there's opposite every wall has another wall uh you know parallel to it and then the geodesic is actually the opposite it's like every flat surface has a corner opposite right so it's kind of the the inverse in a lot of ways of of the the rectangular geometry um there's also a really interesting property of these materials that basically they emit uh far infrared light like high levels of far infrared light so it's actually you know uh, under armor came out with a new line of sleepwear a couple of years ago that was uh, championed by Tom Brady and it they take these same phosphate oxide ceramic powders and weave them into the threads of the clothing because they turn the body's heat into far infrared light and reflect it back so you know you've basically got several tons of these uh, far infrared light emitting ceramics in the in the space as well and then Another um, connection between just, uh, you know, the geometry and the materials that we surround ourselves with and how that can affect, you know, our kind of state of well-being and consciousness is we're working with a group out of uh, Egypt called Biogeometry Energy Systems. And they had uh, really developed like a new kind of design language that is based off the ancient Egyptian science of harmonics. And, and it's measurable, you know, they use um, basically physical radiesthesia. So it's sometimes different sorts of pendulums, but also uh, now like biophotonic cameras that measure the efficiency of charge distribution in the air. So it's kind of like trying to get the charge to, to be more centripetal, right? It's kind of the opposite of, of radiation, radiating charge is like charge that's like leaking outwards. And these fractal geometry and high dielectric materials are all about centripetal charge forces and it's actually they say that's one of the reasons why the nuclear industry you know they were finding um they're able to create these ceramic radiation shields that are like you know two inches thick and they'll shield gamma and neutron radiation whereas that would take like six feet of really dense portland concrete because of this you know basically you you could call it a biophotonic property but really it's like a centripetal charge forces. Mm. It's making the charge the opposite of radiation. So that the science of biogeometry coming out of Egypt is really like they understand they look at like this kind of superfluid ether that's all around us, right? Understand like think of of just like there's waves and we're in a, a superfluid. And everything that moves uh kind of creates puts out a wake behind it. So as we're moving through the space, it creates a wake behind it. And technically the the electromagnetic waves, you know, from Wi-Fi and cell phones are kind of like also creating wakes out behind them in the superfluid ether. So biogeometry is this whole science of understanding how we can place certain, um, you know, use certain geometries in the homes that we build, as well as the village layout, as well as the, you know, statues or, um, you know, interior design of a home, so that it essentially harmonizes that superfluid ether kind of like like you got a boat going through the water and wakes are coming out behind it and when that wake hits a buoy it changes its pattern right so understanding all the physical objects in our environment as ways to to essentially make harmony in the super fluid ether so like a mandalas basically making mon- mandalic patterns of energy flow in our in our homes and in our villages so that we can basically what the egyptians were you know they that one of the jokes that they or stories they tell that i uh is a nice allegory but they're saying you know imagine we were ten thousand years in the future now and came and looked at the houses that we live in today totally and we're like okay well there's all these boxes in these rooms and on all the boxes it says like sony magnavox mitsubishi those must have been the gods they were worshiping you know and it's like no, in the same way we go back to ancient Egypt and say, "Well, what are all these like hieroglyphs and statues and stuff must represent the gods and they're like no that actually that was their technology they were using geometry and uh, materials in order to harmonize the electromagnetic field so that they could have a a more direct subtle energy connection to nature and to the and to one another and the world around them so you know that, that that's like it opens up this whole new uh, kind of science of, of architecture mm. now, especially as the devices come, like biophotonic cameras, to be able to measure it. So we think you know, in the future, you will tell how well an architect did by essentially putting a plant in the room and measuring how well it grows, measuring the rate of seed germination. So like actually architecture that's engineered to enhance growth or life. Right,
0: which takes into consideration... Our bioelectric field, which takes into consideration what we now call i think like the most mainstream term would be biomimicry, right mimicking the resonance and the the principles of nature, um, I found a really interesting fact on your website, which you know um, I, I want I wanted to make sure to mention it and it's just so mind boggling I, I I think it was that seventy percent of chronic disease is caused through environmental impacts, and environmental impacts is not just a forest fire in California or you know uh, and the amazon burning which are environmental impacts on the like worst case scale but it's really the environment we live in day in day out just like the the off-gassing of the plastic product you bought or the you know the the shape the arch the architectural shape of the place you live in um
1: yeah you know i think the one of as one meme kind of puts it it's like germ theory there's a sick fish and you isolate the fish and terrain theory is there's a sick fish, and so you clean the tank, so it's like understanding basically really simply the environmental causes that lead to you know disease versus assuming that it's something within the within the human or whatever that needs to get repaired through medicine or, or treated so mm-hmm. it, you know it, it, i like especially that the pandemic and stuff is really i think leading us into our helping catalyze our progression into a new understanding of kind of the medical model and or maybe a, more it of must, an ancient understanding of the medical model and and how our environments play a part in that and you know what one of the things i really appreciated about um we've been working with uh I've, so one of our advisors as a coast salish indigenous elder who Kind of led the rebuild along a lot of the uh, longhouses for the Coast Salish tribes mm-hmm. for ceremony and dance, um, and you know they really like their whole uh, economic system, tribal economic system, was always around uh, building relationships. Right, it's like the wealthy person had was the one who had really good relationships with the people in the tribe and with spirits, so that he could dream up new mutually beneficial exchanges. You know and so so it's kind of all about relationship building versus accumulation you know uh and i think that you know the, one of the main reasons why we've organized geoship as a multi-stakeholder cooperative is that you know that the, the homes can this kind of future architecture can help people you know maybe raise the bar for you know, how, what is wellness in, in architecture, but that also includes that necessarily, I think has to include uh, healthy relationships with the people around you, you know, your community and with the land, right? So that's where we're bringing basically customers and nature as stakeholders and the owners in the cooperative, as well as the traditional kind of Owners, which are basically employees and um, investors.
0: Yeah, and I think this, you know, it's just really clearly the way forward. And you mentioned it earlier when we we touched on your, like, you know, years of vagabonding and sailing. And I, I just love the way that you, you know, you use the word vagabonding. I think that's a, that's a fun term. Um, and say sailing be, be, because ultimately you, you know, said something along the line that you started. Um, looking into the trail of money and the way that money is set up, and if we look deep enough into that, we, we you know, <laughs> uh, I think for where I pop out when I look deep enough into it is that it's time to stop wasting our energy, feeling paralyzed by that way of structure and that way of how systems were set up and the the petroleum and oil-based kind of uh, incentivized medical system, um, and simply understand we have to, literally. Step forward and bring in these new solutions. And these new solutions are, you know, um, they only will work if we see each other as one common. And when we see each other as as on the same Earth ship, right? Um, and so, I yeah, this idea of co-owning a company as you're purchasing from a company, it's probably as ancient as it gets. But it's it's so simple too, like. Maybe Morgan, tell us a little bit about some of the adversity and the challenges that that you had to face as you were like bringing GeoShip now to it, like being market ready and like bringing like a big idea like that. That's ultimately really simple and really like based on nature's principles. But I feel like it, you know, there must have been some stories of adversity that that made it, you know, harder or like had you to like learn and adapt on the on the journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you know about um, six months into. Uh, the process of founding GeoShip, I, it started to kind of dawn on me, like the potential of, a, you know, this new material science and production technologies, like the size of the organization that we could build. And then the social responsibility that comes with like, okay, there's a, bringing this new technology into the world, we have to make sure that it's, um, that it's uh, benefiting, you know, all life, essentially, and it is As much as we can you know kind of organize it at the beginning so that it grows in a way that is is very beneficial to the earth and to everybody so the the multi there were no really models out there that was like in 2015 there was not really many models out there for multi-stakeholder cooperatives it was really like especially in like 2018 um now there's more models and uh kind of uh, organizations that are kind of specializing in the purpose economy and multi-stakeholder ownership and kind of setting up these, uh, they call it perpetual purpose-driven trust. So imagine, so we imagine that um, the the GeoShip kind of board of directors is essentially, you know, representatives from each of those four key stakeholder groups, customers, investors, uh, the earth, and um, workers and they're actually trustees so they have a legal responsibility to act in behalf of their stakeholder group and that um so the kind of the perpetual purpose-driven trust model was just kind of emerged in like 2018 to show some actual examples out there that we can utilize and it was also very hard to try to uh talk about it in a way that made it attractive to investors because this is you know the type of technology that definitely requires some significant outside capital, you mm-hmm. know, to scale and to build a company like this. Um, and right about that time, also in 2016, the Jobs Act was passed, which made it possible now for people to invest in or in early stage companies that don't that aren't already uh, millionaires basically, you know, before 2016, it was only kind of accredited investors who were allowed to invest in private companies. Yeah, um, And we think that that's like, you know, if you look at uh, how wealth is created, it's like a huge proportion of the wealth in the, that is created basically comes from companies, right? It's like new technologies and new markets and groups of people that get together and and, provide some service to humanity and that like creates kind of new flows of wealth and it doesn't you don't have to take it from anywhere else right it's like just a creative process of it's a new flow of of wealth and um before if it was only the the wealthy people that could invest in those new flows of wealth then that's like a massive uh way that would create you know has created wealth
0: that's for sure yeah
1: yeah so it was like a big we feel it's just a social responsibility part of our social responsibility to make that kind of investment opportunity available to everybody you know or as many people and some people keep, you know still it's like a 300 hundred dollar investment so some people can't afford that but even has at least a lot more of an equal playing field than just uh angel investors and venture capitalists
0: you see th- this is a beautiful little tangent here and i think this is something i I love most about, you know, what's starting to become the regenerative movement and the term regenerative in itself. Like when something generates energy again or regenerates kind of like, you know, in the seasonal cycles of nature, um, it's an active process. It's not a shut off process of the external influences. And so what I'm trying to point at is that often people accept the status quo or the powers to be or the systems as they are simply because, Oh, well, that's just how life is. But in reality, we're shaping it every single day, every, every single thought, every interaction we have. And so when, you know, we, we venture and pioneer into the space where we can amend maybe slowly, maybe fast, and we can amend the, the monetary wealth building. Maybe at some point, you know, I know a lot of people that that like to dream uh, hang out at like, we don't need money at all anymore. Sure. I, I can see that. And that we've talked about this on this podcast before, but, but really it, one of one of the most important lessons i've had to learn in my life as a dreamer is to consistently meet reality where it's at because that's where the power happens that's where your access to leverage happens right mm-hmm. and so what i wanted to say here basically is we are actively shaping and co-shaping uh, this world and these systems and sometimes something is the best idea but the timing isn't isn't right for it and and so maybe let me let me turn this back around to to you like what do you reckon is the reason that the timing is just right for geoship to to take off for people to actually want to live in you know an environment that builds their health and their immune system and that allows them to you know have maybe have neighbors on on a property of land that, that are real neighbors and not just strangers in, behind the door
1: yeah you know i there it's really like this perfect storm of uh things that are happening in our environment that make it the right timing. You know, some of the things like the nature of capitalism is really multi-stakeholder. Like the, you know, the old capitalist model that where investors and workers own the companies is like they're dinosaurs, you know, and in order, I think as new businesses that are multi-stakeholder like GeoShip come out, it'll really force other businesses to do the same or they won't be able to, to... Compete or survive very well, or you know, cooperate within that kind of multi stakeholder world. So, the multi stakeholder change is key. Uh, The way that companies are funded is key, so that we get kind of like the it's so much so powerful, too. I think to have a a thousand or two thousand or five thousand, whatever, investors, small investors in a company because they're all like, you know, that's just a lot more um, kind of mojo or thought energy and. Whatever you want to call it, prayers, then, uh, then not having that, so I think that's powerful. And then of course, just the product is, you know, the the health feature. People becoming more conscious of how our environments affect our health, um, climate change. So, you know, building homes that are, can resist uh, extreme weather events from fires and floods and hurricanes and earthquakes to uh, homes that uh, generate, you know, have very low operational energy requirements because they're efficient with insulation and um just the operation of the home as well as the carbon negativity actually sequestering more co2 than is released in the production and mass production technologies that are you know get us onto a whole new kind of affordability curve you know so maybe the prices of these ceramic domes right off the bat were kind of equal or maybe a little less than a Conventional woodhouse, but it's just the beginning of a whole new you know technology um and production curve that comes down can come down dramatically over time so it's a it's a bunch of factors i think that are working in our uh behind us here
0: yeah absolutely i think in a in a previous episode um one one of my guests called it snap you know uh, an acronym for social movements and, and snap is short for story. Like we need, we need the, the, the right engaging kind of story around it, which, you know, I think um, with more people li- living on land, there is a whole narrative around that. The networks of communities, of people that are actually ready. And then, you know, it, well action, but, but also the political opportunity or the opportunity of the zeitgeist that we're in. And, and so thanks for kind of walking us into that. Morgan, I have, um, I have three more questions for you. And um, anywhere else we want to go, or or, or or you know, share share some thoughts about. And you know, you you definitely fascinated me there when when I said like nine years, like no cell phone, sailing around the world, like traveling, like stepping up for the activism that you believed in. And what would you, what's what do you have to share about the word purpose, or how do you, how would you, you know, um, help help anyone listening to like either find their purpose or just not stop to embody what they are what they're feeling they're called to do
1: yeah i think there's a little bit there can be a little bit of a a trap there with like looking for something Hmm. right where it's like you're you get in the mode of like you're always searching in a sense and and i definitely you know was there for a while too and i i felt like the the biggest the most beautiful uh kind of lesson i I learned there and that worked for me was just to to let go of just focus on like removing the things that don't matter right and being more present in the and and your purpose reveals itself you know it's like you're you're going down this path and there's a point where all of a sudden it's like you look back and you see it through a completely different prism, and it's like wow, everything was perfect in in your progression here to this point and you didn't have to figure it out in a sense you just you know remove enough of the <laughs> distractions and things that you know don't matter and the purpose kind of emerges
0: i like that remove that that doesn't really belong there or that doesn't matter Hmm. well let me let me segue straight to my next question and because I, I feel like there's would possibly related depending on what you're going to make out of them um so the other question i have is if you alone or in a group of experts or you know in whatever constellation were to have influence on how we're changing our education system on the planet what would you do and why would you do it
1: um well i think that you know just looking at the root of the word education it means you know from the latin "educere" or to basically to bring forth what's within So that schools are not education like in any way really it's just kind of training people basically to be productive in a uh in an industrial um economy which is also now fading away and we're shifting into a new type of economy so i think that the schooling is essentially you know we're it'll be more one-to-one and more uh just understanding what it is that the people are what a child is excited about and trying to put the tools in their environment all the learning tools so that they can just explore whatever that that is that wants to come up um i my first son was just born uh, a month and a half ago so i I don't have too much experience yet with like uh, schooling but of course i'm just starting to to think about it and understand and for sure you know my own journey in a sense there was like i i feel like my you know, I learned so much, of course, it's kind of silly to even say, it, but of course, I just learned a lot more, you know, experiencing life and just on adventure than I ever did in in school.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's silly to say that, you know, because it, it, that is very true for me as well. I think I learned maybe a few things in, in school. Um, but but I, I guess the experimental, experimental learning that is very important for a lot of humans um, is what comes short in most educational approaches that are, you know, from the from the industrial revolution age. Um, Reminders yeah, of that,
1: and I, I guess it's also, you know, the tools you acquire in school, uh, you just don't know where to, you know, until you just kind of dive in and have some some spontaneous, inspiring life experiences. You don't know where to use those tools. Mm. So it's like I think that. You know, especially now as as you know society is changing so dramatically at so many kind of fundamental levels that you it's important to just create that time one way or another to be able to um to just experience life and then see where you want to kind of build the the fire or you know your passion and hmm. work
0: which brings me to my last question for today, and you know that. That's a bit more of a visionary question. So if you, you know, if you may hear with me, just let's zoom out on our timeline. You, know, you did it earlier, you went into the future, but let's zoom out for seven generations and see see our life from you know us as being ancestors for those future generations. And my question, Morgan, is like what's the dream that's that's sleeping within you? Or what's the, the vision, the earth vision that that you have, that you're that you're here to share, that you that, that you're wanting to to bring into this world taken into account that, you know, we are ancestors of the future.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, um, our whole model is really uh, centered around community building. So being able to, for people to go onto our uh, website and make a declaration, I wanna build a community and gather your people together, and then basically step into a virtual experience to design the village, that you want to live in together, so that it's really clear what you're moving towards, and then we work with that kind of community to go through the whole design-build process from permaculture and placemaking and financing the village and kind of the the install party. You know, assembling a ceramic village like this could almost be like a you know a, a six-month to year-long kind of work party um, where the construction happens and it's like you're there's a lot of interaction and kind of community building that's happening during that during that process as well and i think the you know what my what our vision is um is really these uh 500 year regenerative ceramic villages where people are um you know living um at a higher levels of well-being because of the the design of the homes and the villages but also the kind of nature of the relationships that we have with one another and our connection to the land that we're on and ultimately i think uh you know the highest highest vision is like these villages that are connected together at the kind of grid nodes of the earth so that we can you know like buckminster fuller's um vision of humans as like the sensing apparatus on spaceship earth where we can actually like pump the earth with uh centripetal charge forces or metaphysical gravity you know love and be able to harmonize our our environment and uh take care of one another and and life on the planet well
0: thank you thank you morgan for for that beautiful picture yeah and also for your time and for your contributions i feel like you're you're um a philosopher who's building a company i really enjoyed hearing hearing from you is there anything else you'd love to share anywhere you'd love people to like be aware of i know you guys are you know launching the next phase of Um uh, maybe there's a word or two you want to share about that
1: sure yeah we're um so the first domes are will be installed here in kind of december time frame um so it's just took took a lot to really get the the equipment and everything together to be able to to start production so we're actually be starting production in december january time frame um and there's there's a lot you know this conversation it did get pretty philosophical and into sort of the esoteric some of the more esoteric or metaphysical conversation but there's there's a lot of beauty in just kind of the engineering and material science and what we're doing and production technologies it'll be uh, there you'll be able to learn people will be able to learn a lot more about on our new uh website and just media that we're creating in the next future
0: cool i'll make sure to link that out and uh to share it around thank you so much morgan
1: okay thank you julian
0: Thanks for listening. And here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I am a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide. And want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work that is as much as 500 dollars for a three-month program and this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers as well as some select coaching groups that i host in person if you're curious and interested make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click work with julian let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one on one in small coaching groups online or in person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more how to support the show or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right. That's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website, and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend.